this process, this self-discovery process, to figure out who we are, to try to come to terms with what I am, is not merely a component of tshuva. It's a prerequisite. It's something that needs really to be dealt with even before we're able to come close to the Venezuelan. Even before we're able to come close to our fellow men, we have to first deal with ourselves. We have to look under the hood of our car and see what exactly is making us tick, what makes us run, what's going smoothly, what's not going smoothly. And this is a very, very crucial and critical component to the process of tshuva. Rabbeinu Bechayi says, Eloshin, Da es atzmecha, v'yachakach teva es alekecha. First the person has to know himself, and then and only then can a person really appreciate the Rabbi Yishlelem. And can a person try to get intimate, close, and back into the Rabbi Yishlelem's embrace. But before we can do that, we have to really work on ourselves. We have to know who we are as human beings. What am I? Then you might be asking yourself, why is this such a big deal? I know who I am. I know who my parents are. I know who I am. I know my age. I know my social security number, I know my weight, I know my height, I know my talents a little bit. So I know me. But that's not what we mean when we discuss about knowing oneself. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about figuring out why the Rebbein put me here. What is my Kappas Achayim? What is my unique mission in this world? No one is put here to do the same thing as the guy next to him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have just created one person and that one person would have been able to do everything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made many, many people, billions of people, and each and every individual has their own tactless in this world. Every single person is unique and special. And this concept of relevance, that I'm important, that I have a unique contribution that nobody else in the world has, that's something that is very, very beautiful, and it's important for us to know because it makes us have energy in life. If we think that we're just another another person, another cog in the wheel, and another just unimportant Element that really is not does not have a, a role to play personally. We're just a number. That's disheartening. That's depressing. When a person realizes that I have my own unique mission in life, there's nothing more exciting and thrilling about that. There's something that I have to contribute to the Rebbeinu's world, and I have to be here to do that. I have to figure out what is my Design. what is my purpose, what did I control put me here for? And if I can understand who I am and what makes me unique, then I can actually get in touch with myself, 
know what I am supposed to be doing. And once I'm able to determine that, now I'm able to be a proper shliach of the Rebbeinish life. Now I'll be able to do tshuva. Now I'll be able to come close to the Rebbeinish and take upon myself his charge for me. But first I have to figure out, why am I here? Why am I on this planet? My father was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. We had some heart procedure done. Prof. Hashem, he's okay. And while I was waiting, it's called, there's a room at St. Francis Hospital called the Surgical Waiting Room. It's basically relatives of people that are undergoing surgery. It's a place for them to sit and wait until they get word about how the procedure has gone. And so I was sitting in this waiting room for hours, and there were two women that were sitting behind me. And I was, I had no choice but to eavesdrop. They were talking loud enough for me to do that, and I was pretty bored. And one woman was saying to another, one woman was a shopper. They recognized each other. They were, they didn't come in together. They both were there for waiting on other, on people, on different people, but they recognized each other because one woman was a, um, she was a, a worker, like a salesperson in a, in one of the big stores in Manhasset, where there's a lot of hush the stores, and then another woman was a shopper in one of those stores, so they recognized each other right away, and they were schmoozing about shopping. And one woman said that I can't stand going into those stores that there are salespeople that as soon as you come in, they pounce on top of you and they want to help you and they want to try to find, you know, where, you know, where you should be shopping, what type of clothing you should be wearing, and they have their daya and they start, you know, interfering. I like going into a store that I could just basically be on my own and they give me my manuka, I'm able to go and see what I like, and I'll figure out the terrain on my own, where my size is, but just don't, don't be on top of me. And then she says, it really bothers me when I come out of the dressing room and I'm wearing my dress, wearing my outfit, and the lady, the, the, the salesperson comes over to me and screams, that's you! That dress is you, that's you, you have to get that. She says, how do you know that that's me. She says, even I don't know what's me. I don't know who I am, and you're telling me that that's you? And I said to myself, that's a tremendous musabot. That a woman is able to be made out of MS, that a person is able to admit that I don't know who I am. If a person is able to realize that I don't know who I am, that's the first step towards self-discovery. First, you have to stop, rip down all of the conceptions that you might have about you knowing yourself. We don't know ourselves. I don't know who I am. I want to know who I am. I'm going to endeavor to know who I am. But it's really, most people at least, unless they've really worked this through, have not really begun to discover who they are. And that's what Abed Abakaya means when he says, Das Aksukha, before you start going through all this past of Chuba, first, have, you have to know who you are. 
Because otherwise it's ridiculous. It's a waste of time. You're building castles in the sky. You're building a home, Malchus of Chuba, and this and that. You don't know who you are. It's like when you're, when you're painting. The painters don't just come in and start painting the walls. First they scrape down the walls and they, they, they get rid of the old paint. They chip away at all of the old uh, dried out paint and the cracks. And only then can they start putting a new, fresh, beautiful coat of paint on. If you start painting on top of an old wall, it's going to be nicer an old wall, just with a different color. And so if a person really wants to undergo this process of true, he has to sand himself down. He has to realize that first I have to know who I am and try to come to terms with my mailas and my chesreinas, and I have to get a game plan of what I'm going to be doing with my life. And then once I have sort of that figured out, now I can come to the Rebbe and say, I have a plan, and now I want to get close to you with that plan, with the beauty of my new charged life, with the energy and the excitement of now discovering who I am and why I'm here. That is what a person can enter into the Antipper with. I'll give you some extreme examples of how people, how Anoshim Yedayim Ma'ayv, spend time that they probably could have used learning and davening and doing a lot of mitzvahs. They spend time trying to figure out this question of who they are. If there's one shmuz to ever come to, by the way, it's this shmuz. And I'm not saying it's because, it's just because of what we're talking about. This is one element that people, myself, when I was your age, and guys consistently come over to me, and I'm sure to other Abayim and other people, and, and just trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? What career should I enter? What should, what should I do? Should I stay in learning? Should I go to work? Should I, you know, what type of work should I do? What type of learning? What type of chinah, rabbanus, kira? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to figure out what I am, where I'm going with my life? How do I know if I'm making good decisions or bad decisions? And a person has to know who he is, and a person has to be honest with himself. Because if we consistently go through life being dishonest with ourselves, or not knowing who we are, so then it's, we're going to live a whole life, and it's going to be just Rebbeisif Yezel Horowitz, known as the Alter from the Vardik. He was a great, great man. The Alter from the Vardik was one of the greatest Mabitze Tedra. And he lived from 1849 to 1919. He was one of the Talmud of Rishel And he was so impressed. He used to be a, a merchant. He was, in his first part of his life, he was a businessman. And then he met Rabbi Sal Salanti, who was very changed. He wanted to alter his entire life after meeting this Muslim giant. And what he did was a very dramatic move. He did something which was very, very extreme. And this is not recommended, this is not for that Mainam. What he did was, he locked himself in seclusion for 12 long years of his life. 12 years. They say came out for Shabbos to be with his mishpach a little bit, but for the most part, he was in a, he, somebody built him a wood cabin in the middle of the forest, 
and there were two slots in this cabin, in this cabin, that one would milk the food would be shoved into the slot, and flesh the food would be shoved into the other slot. After 12 years, he stayed in this cabin. And they begged him, come out, what are you doing? And there's so much for you to do in life, you have to come out. He says, I want to come out. He says, but I don't know myself yet. I'm not aware of who I am yet. And so until I come to terms with who I am, by being alone with myself, and figuring out all of the milas and the chesroinahs, and the midas, and all of the various things that make me unique, I'm not able to yet face the world. I can't. I realize my shortcomings. I realize that I don't realize who I am completely yet. And I need time alone just to figure out who I am, self-discovery. Twelve years in a cabin is a long time, and you think that such a person would probably go stir-crazy and get cabin fever and, 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 you know, and, and be a basket case for the rest of his life. When the Alphabet and the Vajit left that cabin, after 12 years, he came, he was set ablaze. He came running out of the cabin, and he started building yeshivas. He built the great Vajit yeshiva, which was the greatest and the biggest yeshiva of, the time, of its time in Poland. And then he made a network of yeshivas. By the end of his life, he had 80 yeshivas. Nevaidik was the largest network of yeshivas perhaps in history. And this was a man who spent 12 years alone, not in order just um, to, uh, you know, to, like people go to some, uh, you know, to some uh, guru in a, you know, somewhere out in, 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 in the Appalachian Mountains. To, uh, he did it because he needed, he understood that for him to do his hapas achayim properly, first he needed to build himself. And then once he built himself, once he understood who he was, and he understood what his mission in life was, then and only then was he able to actualize that mission, and realize that potential, and look at the potential that he realized. Maybe had he not spent 12 years in the cabin, he would have built less yeshiva, so he wouldn't have built one yeshiva. But because he figured out first who he was, and he built his... Binion on firm, solid ground, knowing what exactly his personal charge in life was, that's why he was able to attain the success that he did. Similarly, the Kutzker, the great Kutzker Rebbe that we know so much terror from, in the sense of the, the barrel that he says, the sharp, pungent, Pithy statements that the Kutzker was known for, the brilliance of the Kutzker. The Kutzker was a man that was deeply involved in figuring out who he was. He also, the last 20 years of his life, spent in seclusion. He locked himself in a room, again, trying to figure out who he was finally. The Kutzker used to say to people, there's a Misa, a Kutzker came to the Kutzker before he went into seclusion. He came to him, a chassid, says, I want to be one of your chassidim, I hear amazing things about this Kutzker dynasty, I want to be a chassid of the Kutzker. And the Kutzker said to him, well, what do, you, what do you expect here? What are you coming here for? He says, well, I want to get close to the Rebbeinah I want to have Kirvah Hashem. He says, that's not why people come here. They don't come here to know the Rebbeinah Go up, You can go other places if you want that. So the Chassid said, so why do people come here? 
says people come here to learn about themselves. The reason why people come to Kutz is to figure out who I am. Not the Rebbe Yisrael. First you have to figure out who you are. You have to know what exactly the Rebbe Yisrael put you here for, and then and only then is it possible to take it to the next level. But don't build the binyan without the first floor. You cannot start on the third and fifth floor. You have to start it early downstairs on the bottom floor, knowing who we are well. He would tell people, the Kutzker, that there are people that spend time looking at the moon, looking at the heavens, and trying to figure out what's going on up there. And indeed, we see in our times that people, we send search, exploratory missions to the moon, and we land people on the moon to try to figure out what's going on millions of miles away. And the Kutzker said that it would be much better to spend time figuring out what's inside of us and what's down on this world very, very internally, much more than figuring out what's going on up there. Forget about up there. There's plenty of unconquered territory, of uncharted territory within the inner space that we have that is yet to be explored, that is yet to be discovered, and we're busy going to the moon and trying to figure out how to get to the other planets and deeper and deeper into the Milky Way. First figure out what's going on close in. First we have to focus in on ourselves. That's so much more crucial and so much more vital than figuring out what's going on in Shemayim. Now we don't have 20 years, but we don't have 12 years. We barely have an hour to spend with ourselves, to try to understand who we specifically are. We don't have that. But what they used to say, he once saw a bachar on the bus, they went on a bus or a plane, and he saw a bachar that was learning. He, was taking, he took his seat route right away, as soon as he gets onto a plane, a bus, and right away whips out his gemara or whatever it was, and he starts learning. And, you know, we're impressed by such a bachar. Or for the Bacha themselves, we feel like that's a, you know, that's a, that, that's a godless, and it is. For a Vodner, surprisingly, went over to the Bacha and says, Shut your Sefer. Shut the Sefer, the Tukhaira. He says, What should I be doing? The Bacha asked the Vodner, well, What should I be doing? We have like a couple of hours drive now, and what should I be doing? I'm not learning. So the says, Don't you know how to think? You don't know how to think? Is it impossible for you just to sit and think for a few minutes? The minute that we get into a car, 99% of society, right away, what do we do? We turn on the radio, we turn on a tape, music, a turn tape, there's always something. The second we come into a car, we right away, you know, have to put, just sometimes all, all day long, whenever you ever see them walking around, they're always with their iPods, with their phones, with their, right? we're always busy. We never can take one minute to sit in a car and just think about ourselves. Think about life. Think about a mission. Think about, we're always like preoccupied with everything else. And the reason for that is very simple. That people are either don't know how to think or they're afraid to think. Because they're afraid to spend time with themselves. 
because they realize that they don't really know themselves. And they don't want to be just like you don't want to, you know, you sit next to a stranger like you're dominant as the plane is filling up, that no one sits next to you because I, I want to be alone. That's sort of the way it is with ourselves. We ourselves are afraid of ourselves because we realize that we don't really know ourselves. And we might not like ourselves that much if we spend too much time with ourselves. So we want to right away be, be busy with other things. Thinking, listening, talking, but not thinking, not introspection. Anything but thinking about the important critical issues about what defines me. That I don't want to do. I can't do it because it's too difficult. It's too, it's, 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 sometimes it's too wanting. And her footnote used to say as well that there, it's possible for a person to spend his entire life living with another, with somebody and never knowing who that person is. And then he says, and that person is very often ourselves. We could spend a whole life living day in and day out. We're davening and we're learning and we're walking and we're talking and we're eating and we're schmoozing and we're going to, to, to do our work and we're coming home from our work and we're going to yeshiva and we're giving our shir, we're giving our chabur, we're giving our schmoozing and we don't know who we are. Spend a whole life together with yourself and you've never tasted yourself. You've never tapped in to who you are. And that's a tragedy. Because a person is living with themselves, shouldn't they know who they are? Shouldn't they know who they're, who's, who's, who's inside of their body? Your Shagafayim and beloved great leader of Torah jury in America, he was the Manal of Torah and he was the builder, the pioneer of Torah Messiah, of the great network of yeshivas in America, the day school system that he set up. And I think each and every one of us in this room was touched one way or another by Tara Messiah, by this network of day schools. And America itself was uplifted. The Ramah, Tara, Kedusha, Pinoch, and America was undoubtedly altered to the, to the best by this one man together with others, but primarily he was the force. And Rav Shagha Feibel says an amazing part that we say, to explain a tefillah that we say on Rosh Hashanah. The tefillah of Rosh Hashanah in Davening, in Esrei, we say in Zechreinus, Ki zecher ko yitzur That the zecher, the remembrance of all of the creatures of the earth, come before you, Rabbi Yishalayim, Maiseh ish ufkudasayim. The actions of man and his pekuda and his mission. Man and his mission together come before you, Rabbi Shalom. And he asks, what does it mean? My Sidish, I understand. That's the way we commonly understand Zechreinus. That the Rabbi Shalom opens up the same as Zechreinus and he sees that the Schusim, the Schuyas that we have, he sees the Albainus, the Averis that we have, and he weighs them and he judges them. Oh, Sefer, oh, Maina, he does all these things that we read about. But what does it mean of Kudasai? What is that, that word mission? Man and his mission come before the Rebbe And if Shagafayu says an amazing insight, he says that many of us 
do tremendous things in life. We do amazing things with our life. But it ain't our mission. It was somebody else's mission. But we were not doing our own personal mission. And when the Rebbein Shalom judges a person, he judges a person not just merely on what his mitzvahs were versus what his others were. He judges a person, are you fulfilling your personal obligation to yourself? Are you doing what I intended for you to do in life? Are you completing the assignment that I have set for you? That's what we're judged on, on the Yom Nehinayim. And if we're not working on figuring out what the Pekuda is, what our personal mission, don't look at other people's mission. Look at our own mission. And if we're not accomplishing that mission, then the Bishop says, you have failed the test of the year. You have failed the test of your life. Because the test of your life is, you have given, you have been given an assignment, you have been given a personal task, and you must fulfill that mission. And if you fall short of that, you might be a tremendous target. But that was not your mission. And so you have failed. The beginning of the Mesos Yisharim starts off, Yisrael HaChasidus, V'sherish HaVayda HaTmimahu, SheYisparer V'yisames Eitzel HaOdom, a person's obligation in life is, it has to be Yisparer, it has to be clear, V'yisames, it has to be true, genuine, Machay Vosay V'ayilamay, what is his obligation in his world? There's no such thing as a general obligation, in a general world. There is your obligation. The sight of your life is you have to figure out what is your personal obligation. Every single person, believe it or not, is relevant and has a personally designed mission. And that is what we have to do in our life. And if we don't do it, then we might be wonderful people, great guys, but that's not what we're supposed to be here for. We all know, I think, the story of the Nitziv. The Nitziv was the great Rashid Rabbalajan. And the Nitziv made a seal when he finished the Sefer Hamikdavar. Hamikdavar is a masterpiece. It's a purish, a, 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 a super commentary on Tyro. And what happened was that when he made the seal, he invited a lot of friends and family and Talmidim and he got up and he spoke and he said an amazing, amazing part. He said that I'm not just given a seal to give Shalach Laibai to the Rebbeinah Shalom that I have concluded this masterpiece. What I'm giving Shalach Laibai for is as follows. When I was a Buster, when I was a little kid, I was not exactly the head of the class. I wasn't the best guy in Yeshiva, far from it. I was, wasn't the worst guy in the class, but I really wasn't doing my potential. I was not filling my, what my, what my potential personally was. I was, instead of being an olive student, I was a base minor student. And I was maybe causing a little trouble in school here and there. And I once, one night I was coming down the stairs and I overheard a conversation between my parents late at night. They didn't know that I was listening. And my father was saying to my mother, you know, Naftali, that was his name, Naftali Tzvi Yehuda. 
he's not really doing what we had in past plans for him. I had great ambitions for him. I thought maybe someday he'd be a big rabbi, a big rabbi, a big rashiva. It doesn't seem to be working out, unfortunately, as planned. And so what we have to do is we have to face the facts, own up to the truth, and let's send him to a trade school. Let's send him to apprentice by a carpenter, and the carpenter will teach him how to build standards. The carpenter will teach him how to build star trunks, how to make a table, how to make a chair. And that's what he'll do. He'll be an arrow to and he'll be shaved mitzvahs, and maybe he'll give a, give a shear on the side to Balabatim on Shabbos. But that's what, that seems to be what he's able to do, and let's not, let's not delude ourselves anymore into thinking otherwise. And his mother was crying, and she reluctantly agreed to the plan. At that stage, at that stage, says the Nitziv, I ran down and I started crying to my parents, give me one more chance. I'm sorry for disappointing you. I'm sorry for slacking off. I could have done better. Give me one more chance. Let me prove to you that I could meet the potential that you dreamed about for me. And what he did was, he went back to Yeshiva the next morning, and he started really getting into learning more, getting into davening more, getting into all of the various things that it takes to be a Bentayra Amiti. And then Nitzid began to develop greatness. One day at a time, he got greater and greater and greater, until he became the Nitzid. Until he came to the Madriga, he was Rashiva Balazhin, and then he wrote Sarkaran as the Hamid Dabar and the Hamid Shaila and the Murami Sada and many other Sarkaran. And so the Nitzif stood there by that Siam and he said, I'm not just giving Shaila to the Rabbi Shalom for enabling me to make a Siam like every person that makes a Siam. I'm giving Shaila because imagine. Had I not heard that conversation with my parents, and I had not resolved to change, I would have become a carpenter, I would have been an Eretz carpenter, I would have been a Yerushalayim, and I would have come up to Shemayim after 120 years, and the Rebbe Shalom would be sitting in front of me on the Kisah Hobbit, and he'd say, No, Naftali, where are your sorrow? Sarim? What do you mean Sarim? So I have Sarim, I left the Sarim down, 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 you are supposed to write a sefer on, on Chumash. You are supposed to write a commentary on Shas. Where are your sarim? And at that moment of truth, I would have broken down crying and saying, I missed my whole opportunity in life. I was a fine person. I was a fine kid. I was a shemitayr of mitzvahs. I, I earned a parnosa for my family, but I would not have attained the potential that I had. And so Matali and Itziv stood by the sea and said, I'm giving Shalafa a because 
I was able to not just accomplish greatness, but I was able to accomplish my greatness. What I was supposed to do, that is what I was able to do. And that is what makes a person great. When a person is able to realize his potential and fulfill that personal potential, that is greatness. I don't like saying what I heard once because it seems it seems to be very biting and it seems to be something that is 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 would be put out by a camp of people that don't appreciate Tyre, but I'll say it because just to give you a a glimpse into maybe what reality is in Ayama Amos. You know what I'm not gonna say? Think of that. A person has to have a maisayish in his kuda. A person has to have his maisayish. That's true. We all have to be good people. We all have to do the right thing. But we have to try to make sure that we're on the right track of our personal destiny. The famous maisayish of Zusha, the Rebbe of Zusha, Manipoli, who was a brother of the name Elimelech, he was a great, great leader, a great goggle, a simple man, a poor, as poor comes. Rav Zusha, the famous Rav Zusha. And Rav Zusha Manipoli used to say, I'm not scared of, if I go to Shemayim, and the Rebbein says, No, Zusha, why weren't you Maisha Abeno? That doesn't get me nervous. Because I'm not Meshavena for a million different reasons. He says, what really is making me nervous is that I'm going to come up to Shemayim and they're going to say, no, Zusha, why weren't you Zusha? Why weren't you who you were? Why weren't you the man that you were intended to be? Why were you not yourself? Why did you never bother to realize who you were and to fulfill who you were supposed to be? That is the scariest question, says Abdusha. That keeps me up at night. That I'm not going to be who I am. My favorite story, I think of all time, and I say this always, but this is really my favorite, and that's why I say it like every day, is the Maiso with Natalia Amsterdam. Natalia Amsterdam was one of the three great Talmudim of Rusal Salam, the three of the greatest Talmudim of Rusal Salam they had. And it was Purim, and the Natali Amsterdam goes over to his Rebbe to be so and he says, Rebbe, he's maybe a little bit in a, in a high state, and he says, Rebbe, he says, if I would have the cup of the Shagasariya, so, oh, if I would have the mind of the Shagasariya, the brilliant mind, the sharpest mind in the world, Shagasari's mind. If I would have his mind, and I would have the nefesh of the Yisait B'Shayr Shavayda, the great Baravayda, who wrote the same for Yisait B'Shayr Shavayda, the unbelievable, the depth, the profundity, the beauty of the nefesh of this great man. If I would have his nefesh, and if I would have the Rebbe, that I'd have a Yisrael Salantik, that I'd have your Midas, 
the sterling, the most perfect midas of Yisrael Salanta. Oh wow! Because then I would be a yid. I would have the cup of the Shabbos Ayin and the nefesh of the Yisrael Shabbos Shabbos and the Rebbe's midas. I would be perfect. And Yisrael Salanta said to him, says no, not told said no. Says with your mind and with your nefesh and with your midas, that's what will make you great. The perfection lies within you. But just worry about yourself. Never, ever, ever worry about this person and that person and this person and I wish I was as smart as that guy in Shira and I wish I was as good looking as that guy and I wish I was as athletic as that guy and I wish I had the personality and the fame of that other person. If we do that, we all do that. We all do that. We all like, you know, like my kid has this, this, this kid, this kid book and it's basically broken up into three sections. There's like a top a middle and a bottom, and there's each of the pages like moved separately. And so you're able to have like a, a, a face, and then match a, a shirt, and then a pants, and basically on, on, you can mix and match based on the way you turn the pages of the book. And that's how we think our life will be perfect. Ooh, I, you know, I'm not so happy with the way I am in this department. I wish I would be a little different. I wish I'd have a little smarter like that guy in show. He always is the guy that raises his hands first and always has the best answer. The Rebbe loves him. The Rebbe thinks, see, that's the Rebbe, that's the apple of the Rebbe's eye. And in sports, that guy is amazingly athletic. He's unbelievable. I'm such a, I'm such a klutz on the, on the, on the courts. Like, I, I just, I just don't have it. And socially, that, look at that guy. That guy is amazing. He has, he's always able to, to schmooze with people so effortlessly. And everybody likes him. Everybody gets along. He's the popular guy in Yeshiva. If only I had a little bit of his touch, of his grace, of his charm, then I would really be a happy guy. And so Rizal Salantu tells us that that is not the way to look at things. Far from it. And that's the way we all look at things. We're always jealous of everybody. We're always running races against everybody. We're always trying to copy this guy and copy that guy. But the way for a person to realize greatness is for a person to say, listen, the Rebbe created me. I have my own name. I have my own identity. I have my own look. I have my own way about me. I have my own personality. I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses. But all of those things are uniquely mine. And the Rebbe put me here with a backpack Full, fully equipped to accomplish my personally, personally designated mission in life. And that is what the race that I'm running is. I am not chasing after any other person. I'm not competing against any other person. I'm not looking to be richer than that guy, more successful than that guy, smarter than that guy, funnier than that guy. That's not what I'm supposed to be looking at in life. Forget the world. Look at yourself. I had a Rebbe that once said a very, very, he was a very brilliant Rebbe. But more brilliant than his shiurim was the way that he observed life. And I didn't learn by him long enough as I wish I would have because he was such a, a rich, just a rich treasure trove of, 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 of really 
looking at things in the right way. Not enough. Not necessarily tired, but not just seeing things clearly. Seeing things with just the right perspective and touch. And he once said, when we go shopping for a suit, and it's so true, I think, for most of us, many of you are not, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but I think most of us, if we're honest, will admit to this. When we're going shopping for a suit, and we're trying on the suit, and we go, you know, to the changing room, and then we come out, and there are those mirrors. You know, the three mirrors, sometimes you're able to see yourself from all, all sides, and you're looking in the mirror, and you're deciding whether or not this is the suit for you. Are you looking at how you look in the suit, or are you looking at how other people are going to look at you in the suit? How do you look at yourself? Do you say, I really like this suit because this suit is me? Or do you say, I like this suit, but I'm afraid it might be too light. The color might be too light. People might think that I'm this type of guy. Or it's too dark. I don't want people to think I'm that type of guy. Or maybe the pinstripes are too loud, and then they're going to think of me that way. Or do you like the suit or do you not like the suit? If you like the suit, then buy the suit. If you don't like the suit, then don't buy the suit. But who cares about the world? Who cares about why are you looking at life through the prism and through the perspective of other people? I'm not saying that it's never important that, that you should not try to sometimes fit into a certain society. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying just in a, in, in, you know, in a perspective of life, why are we so impressed by other people's opinion of us? Why are we so manipulating our lives, contorting ourselves to please other people? Can't we for once figure out what we want, what makes us special, what we like, and what we feel is going to be the course for ourselves to follow? This is true for careers especially. Many of us choose careers not by what we want to do, by what our parents want us to do. My father always wanted me to be a lawyer. My father always wanted me to be an architect. So that's why I'm going for architect. What, are you crazy? Is this what you want to do or is this what your father wants you to do? If you want to do it and your father wants you to do it, you're giving your father an office and you're doing exactly what you wanted to do. But if you're doing something just because this is what my father wants me to do, or my mother wants me to do, or my friends think I would be good at, or, you know, it's what would be impressive to the world if I had, you know, a certain uh, Russian tables following my name, or preceding my name, or on my car, on the license, on the license plate of my car. Are you crazy? For that, you're going to give away your nitzvahs for an izid adoshim, for a little pot of lentil soup, you're going to give away everything? To please somebody that, who, whether you do it or you don't do it, he gets to live or she gets to live her life the way she wants to, and you have to contort your life to do something that you don't want to do? But we all do this. This is something that we all do. Nine out of ten people might probably do this, if not ten out of ten. We completely look at our life and our destiny and our future through the eyes of other people. What would look good for others? Would people be impressed? Is this, is this an impressive move or is it not? This girl that I'm going to marry, is it something, is she somebody that other people will be, will look at me, wow, good, good catch. Or, or not. And therefore, even if it's somebody that I like, 
but I can't marry her because I'm afraid of what Wayne's going to say about her, or what my parents are going to say about her, or what my friends might comment about. If you like the girl to marry, you don't like the girl, don't marry. But don't care so much about what everybody says, unless they're giving you an Eitzah Kaiva. That's a real Eitzah. But if it's something that's ridiculous, then don't listen. You have your own personal mission in life. You have a Maisha and you have Kudosai, and a better match. The Maisha and the Kuda must match, or else we're in big trouble. Because then we're going to go up to Shemayim and we're going to say, they're going to ask us, where are your Svarim? Or where are your, whatever it is that we're going to do. It doesn't have to be learning. For many of us, it might be a mission of learning in life. For some, it might be Kirov. For some, it might be Chidav. For some, it might be Rabbanus. For some, it might be plumbing. For some, it might be engineering. For some, it might be dentistry. Whatever it is, but do something that you feel appeals to you. That you're going to be able to fulfill your personal Avedis Hashem, your mission in life, by doing this and doing it with a happy heart and with confidence, knowing that this is what I need to do. And get it done. The cup spits as a grain bar. You have to hold cup for this one. So I missed them that it took me a time to read it over a couple of times. So you'll be forgiven if you don't tap it on the first time. It says like this. If I am, if I am, and you are, because I am myself, and you are yourself, then I am I, and you are you. But if I am, but if I am I, because you are you, and you are you, because I am I, then I am not I, and you are not you. Should I do that again? <laughs> if I am and you are, because I am myself, and you are yourself, then I am I, and you are you. But, if I am I, because you are you, and you are you, because I am I, then I am not I, and you are not you. <coughs> if we're all living lives to please one another, then nobody's nobody. If I'm doing what I want to do because that's who I am, and you're doing what you're, what you're doing because you are you, so then everyone has their own goal, everybody's happy, and everybody's doing the right thing. But if we're all looking at Yenim and saying, wow, I want to be him, and he's looking at me and saying, I want to be you, so then I'm not me, you're not you, we're all just one big show, and nobody knows who we are. I want to read you a gorgeous part, a few lines from the Ali Shur. It's in Chelek Aleph, page 168, Chelek Aleph. It's a A few lines that Mamash can change a person's life. Ani, this is me, I, with my unique combination of talents and skills, I'm a child of a certain set of parents. I was born at a certain juncture of time and environment. If I was created here and now with my parents, 
with my talents, with my friends, with my environment, with my looks, with my aspirations, for sure there's a unique mission that I have to do. I have a unique mission when it comes to learning Torah. And the entire world, the universe, creation at large, awaits me. They're waiting for me. All of the universe awaits me to unfold and to expose and to reveal my personal mission and my unique potential in life. Because my Avaida cannot shirk, I cannot do a Tmura, I can't do a Chalipin with, with anybody in life. There is no swapping. I can't do your mission, you can't do my mission, I must do what I have to do, and you have to do what you have to do. For me to look at you and to try to cop your mission is ridiculous. To be jealous of other people, to run a race against other people, to decide our decision based on other people, it's futile and it's foolish and it's a brothel about power. What a person has to do is to think real hard, deep inside, take a walk, whatever you need to do to clear your mind, to get rid of all of the old thoughts. Sand down one's neshama a little bit right now. Think good and hard. Who am I? For once in my life, I want to see who I am. I want to look hard in that mirror and try to figure out who am I? Why am I here? Why did everybody show up? I mean, honestly, what did everybody show up want from me? I'm not the smartest guy in cheer. I'm not the best looking guy. I'm not the most popular guy. I'm not a guy with tremendous clarity on what I want to do with my life. But I know that the Rebbe has a plan for me. And I have to realize that plan. If I don't realize that plan, I will have utterly disappointed the Rebbe and I will have utterly disappointed my destiny. And the whole world awaits me. I have something that the whole world needs from me. I don't know what it is yet. I have to realize what that is. I have to be misogyny the world in my unique way, and I have to figure out how to do that. I don't know yet. It takes time. It's not a one-day thing. It took me, it took the Alpha Fenadaidic 12 years, and it took the Kutzka with their brilliant minds 20 years. It's not an easy thing. This is not a layoff. If it was easy, they wouldn't have wasted that much precious time. But at least we have to start. And there's no better time to start than right now. Arabian Kipper, Ben Kessley Oster, Tafshin Never another Tafshin Dika Aserat Smei Tshuva ever again in real. Never, it's never going to happen again. Arab Shabbos Shuva, Tafshin never again. It's a one-time thing. And there's never going to be another you and I in the real either. There's going to be billions of people long after we're gone, but they will never be us. And so we have to figure out what we are, who we are, what the goal is that we have to set for ourselves and make it a pretty high one, but a doable one. And then we have to work backwards and figure out what's the best way to get to that goal. We don't have to overhaul our entire lives, that's not necessary. We don't have to go lock ourselves up in a room now for a couple of years. 
and to really completely, you know, go through therapy and self-analysis. That's not that's not the, that's not the, the call over here today. The call over here today is to just think about the things that we've spoken, to just try to examine ourselves, to sit with ourselves a little bit and think, what do I like doing in life? What do I? What makes me good? What makes me happy? What do I feel is really going to enable me to do what I'm supposed to be doing? Not what my rabbin think I'm doing, I, I should be doing, or not what my professors think I should be doing, not what my parents think I should be doing, not what my friend cares. You have to know yourself. Nobody can be a better placement for you than you. Because only you are privy to knowing what's going on in your inside. Nobody else has that x-ray machine except for you. Only you have to please yourself and please your destiny and figure out the message of Kudasa. What is my mission? And once I know me, for once in my life, I know Baruch Hashem, I can say Shalom Aleichem to myself for the first time because I realize what talents I have and I think I know what the Shalom wants from me. We're never going to know maybe exactly. We don't come... You know, like a fortune cookie in our packets knowing exactly what the mission is. But we sort of could figure it out. If we give it enough thought, we'll figure it out. We'll get pretty close. But just make sure that the life that we live is a life that's worth living. And the only life that's worth living is a life that we use, of course, to serve the Rebbe but to serve HaKadosh in the unique way that the Rebbe intended for us to serve Him. And if we can do that, das atzmocha, First we have to figure out who we are. And after we have properly prepared ourselves for the Rabbani Shalom service, because now we know what the Rabbani Shalom wants from us, now we can come back to the Rabbani Shalom and say, I'm here. Barcheinu Abinu, give me a bracha, bench me that my mission should be successful. I'm back. I'm doing tshuva, I want to come back to you. Now that I know who I am, that I am I, now I can realize that you are you. And now I can merge the two together, I can make that my personal mission in life is one that the Rebbe Yisrael will shepnach us from. And that Amir Hashem, He will embrace us on Yom Kippur. He will love us again. He will enable us to move forward with our great plans in life to attain our personal greatness and to be happy, which is really what the Rebbe wants for us to find our own personal role and mission, and that will create happiness for, us, for ourselves and our mishpachas that we have for generations yet unborn will thank us because we have figured out who we are and we have moved forward stridently towards our goal, towards the goal of the Rebbe for us. A wonderful year and life full of nothing but bracha and atzlacha and yisunt and karnasa. B'chol milu demetu v'zel b'vach. L'anu l'chol Yisrael. At v'yaz ve'ozad that can hear it from me. Amen.